you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. When I get new clients in therapy, they fill out an initial intake form. On that form, it asks why they're coming to therapy. A couple common answers are to figure out if they're compatible and communication problems. When it comes to compatibility, it makes sense that we question this sometimes because every relationship has problems, people with different interests, rigid positions, and conflicts. When these, start, when these things emerge and happen more than the good times, a lot of couples come to therapy and wonder if they are in fact compatible. They might even wonder if they're soulmates and if they should be together. It does suck sometimes to love someone and wonder, should I be with you? Or to remember that you used to love them and be unclear about if you still do. So let's discuss that. I recently watched The One on Netflix. It really got me thinking about compatibility. So if you haven't seen it, it's a TV show that's a touch in the future from where we are now. The premise of the show is that you can test your DNA to find your perfect match, the perfect partner who you're scientifically guaranteed to fall in love with. Rebecca Webb is one of the founding scientists. She and her scientist partner steal some DNA data to uncover if their matching theory really works in practice. They put Rebecca's DNA through the system and they find out who is to be Rebecca's true match. She finds herself on a sandy beach at a bar chatting with a bartender and the bartender feels like he's known her forever. The connection between them is palpable. The conversation flows easily, and it's as if they cannot take their eyes off each other. Gosh, we all know, or most of us know, how good it does feel to fall in love. Caught up in the bliss and exhilaration of it all, we feel like we would be a better person with someone, that we could change ourselves and our lives for the better. Rebecca, in fact, does tell her fellow scientist that she's going to stay and live with her match. Then after talking to her scientist friend, she decides she's not gonna do that and she asks her match to come and live with her. Although they are deeply in love, her match also loves his brother. And her match and his brother are the only family they have in the whole world. His brother doesn't wanna move. Now Rebecca knows they're matched, but her match doesn't know they're matched. And although he loves her, that love is not enough. And an incompatibility seems to be where they want to live, what his brother's needs are, they don't resolve it and break up. The TV show also displays many other couples who have quickly and passionately fallen in love. And they're still having affairs, still choosing not to be together, and still lying and betraying and even murdering the siblings of their matches. All sorts of betrayal is going on. Now, of course, this is a TV show and not reality. And it still got me thinking about compatibility. Aaron Book's 
Aaron Beck has a book called Love is Never Enough, and it details why love alone isn't enough to make your relationship work. John Gottman, in his work, points out that common interests aren't always what keeps couples together. I mean, you can have similar interests with someone and have interactions riddled with conflict. I mean, imagine going golfing with your spouse and every time you took a swing, they're like, "Mm, that wasn't good enough. What were you thinking golfing that way? Pull your head out of your butt and golf better. Would that feel fun to have that common interest with that person? Mm, I don't know if I'd want to golf with them. John Gottman also points out there are many things about our partners that we will never be able to change. And he stresses that in happy long-term relationships, we need to be tolerant of each other's faults because choosing a partner is choosing a set of problems. So let's circle back to the word compatibility. You can fall in love with someone in a second, but what really keeps you together for the long haul? One of the answers here is a deep friendship. And of course that doesn't prevent conflict, but it does stop conflicts from getting too nasty. When you really like your partner, it's harder to be nasty to them. Now, conflicts in relationships are pretty normal. So if you're wondering, are we compatible? We fight. Well, most couples do. Why is that? Because about 69% of the time, couples are just different people, different beliefs, different values, different ways of looking at the world. And they are going to see things differently. And therefore, that means they're going to have about 69% of problems that will never, ever be solved between them. And that means to be compatible, they have to learn to tolerate the differences between them. And yes, we are still going to have deal breakers, even if we're friends and even if we have things we're going to tolerate, we're going to have deal breakers. And we often have a deep knowing in our soul about what those are. So if you want to be compatible, it's critical to get clear on the problems you know that under no circumstance can you tolerate and accept. For example, some people are okay with open relationships and others are not. Some people are okay with drug use and others are not. Some people are okay with leaving the dishes in the sink while others think they must go in the dishwasher. Some people are okay with having children and others are not. Some people are okay with close contact with your in-laws and others are not. It's important to know where you stand and where you are not willing to budge on some of these critical issues. And some of these things that are critical to you might not be critical for the next person. They're just a thing. And so we need to know what is most important to us. And then when you choose a partner, Can you tolerate when they're a little different than you? If perhaps it's not a deal breaker, but your partner likes to spend more time with your in-laws than than you would like, can you handle that? Can you be tolerant of a partner who likes to be on more of a budget than you would be on your own? Can you tolerate living in a touch more of a dirty home than you would prefer? I know it can be hard to think about choosing problems. I get that. And still, choosing a partner is choosing which problems you want. And even in the TV show, where they try to portray a perfect utopian world, we see that falling deeply and passionately in love with their perfect match is not enough. And so I think staying in love is a choice and a deeply vulnerable choice. In this choice, we risk being hurt, disappointment, and rejected so that in the moments we get it to feel good and we get to have love and belonging and feel heard, it just feels nice. And when we think about whether or not we're compatible, we have to remember what real family is like. Real family comes with problems. I mean, living inside my 
own brain comes with problems. Sometimes I can wonder if I'm even compatible with myself. I remember trying to stop drinking so much coffee and I would firmly tell myself, stop drinking so much coffee, Amber. And then it'd be noon and I'd be on my fourth cup and I was like, whoa, you said you're only having one today. How did that even happen? So at times living inside our own heads makes us feel like we're incompatible. And so it is only probable that at times we're gonna feel incompatible even with the person we love the most. And if we remember that belonging is a core need, a deep core need of most people, we're not going to be most, we're not going to be compatible 100% with almost anyone. Because if you're anything like me, you're probably not even 100% compatible with yourself. And so we need to remember that loving someone is so deeply vulnerable. It's hard because real life is a little messy. And if you can learn to tolerate and accept faults, and when you have blow-ups and fights and all that, get back to forgiving and making amends and repairing so you can get back to enjoying the good parts of love faster. The parts where it does feel like you have a safe place to land, someone to go home to, a place to belong. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.